0: Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell visit www.exoneradiotv.com or www.xzontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net.
2: Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you hear the fascinating ways that other people have discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of tonight's show, you'll be able to hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. So how does someone express their creative talent and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that everybody benefits? Our expert tonight is Phil Bolstra, who has developed his genius in the area of writing inspiring, thoughtful, spiritual books. Now, normally, I give you my guest bio here, but what is important is not what Phil has done in the past, but the incredible material he's put together in his books. His second book, In God's Eyes, took eight years of research and seven years to write. This second book is the first book of his that I became familiar with. And only once previously have I felt so inspired to purchase multiple copies of a book and share it with everybody I knew. The first time I did that was when I purchased 10 copies of Bruce Lipton's first book, The Biology of Belief. That was over 10 years ago now, and I couldn't wait to share his remarkable book, because and I still find it a great book. But then I met Phil, and I heard about the book he was writing that hadn't yet come out. And when it came out, I purchased a copy simply because I wanted to support my fellow author. But I was the fortunate one here. I was so impressed and inspired that I ordered 25 of his books and sent them out to friends and family. Every single person who received his book raved about it and decided that his book was their new best friend. That they loved this book and how wonderful I was for sharing it. Now, isn't that a great gift? Now, that's the kind of reaction one wants. But a few years back, they got their books, and I'm going to tell you that my friends are still raving about Phil's book. So let's welcome Phil Bolstra to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show. Hello, Phil.
3: Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much. I should mention that the title is Through God's Eyes so people can find it easier.
2: Oh, good. Just correct me, because over the years, you know, I forget even though I'm in that book all the time.
3: <laughs> I know. I know. you <laughs> That's very common.
2: You know, it's interesting because I just got through giving a seminar this past weekend on Know the Name, Know the Spirit about the soul's purpose. And at the end, I was saying, you know, these are the good books to read if you want to read a spiritual book. And then I brought out your book and I said, guess what, guys? This is the book you all should get. (laughs) And I had them go online to Amazon and get it right there in front. Because it is the most um, remarkable book. I just love it. You did such an incredible job.
3: Thank you so much. I mean, that's. I was hoping to hear something even remotely approaching that when I was working on it. And to, to hear you say that and to get that kind of reaction is very rewarding because that's why I wrote it.
2: You know, how did you discover your gifts? I mean, what compelled you? to spend eight years of research and seven years of writing it. That's 15 years. I mean, I took 15 years to develop nameology science. I know what that's like. That's like forever. What compelled you?
3: Well, when I first became interested in spirituality, I was reading a lot of books, and I wanted to find one book that laid out all the spiritual principles I was learning about in a logical Organized and engaging way, and I assumed there had to be at least one book that explained how all of all of these principles interact, how to weave them together into a cohesive worldview, and and how to practically apply that all that spiritual wisdom to daily life. And I couldn't find that book, so I remember thinking very clearly at the time. I thought, well, I guess I have to write it myself someday. Um, but I knew there's. I was nowhere ready. I wasn't wise enough. I wasn't well-read enough. But I was just determined from that moment on that all that knowledge and all that wisdom should be gathered together in one easy-to-follow book so others wouldn't have to go on a, a giant spiritual scavenger hunt and piece it all together.
2: So Through God's Eyes is a pretty bold title. How did you come up with that title? And tell us, isn't that kind of presumptuous that any of us could actually see things as the divine does?
3: I'm sorry, my Skype just cut out for a second. What was the question?
2: Through God's Eyes is really a bold title. So Uh how did you come up with that title? Because I'm wondering if any of us could actually see things as the divine does, and yet that's such a perfect title for your book.
3: Oh, I got the title in 1998. I went to a workshop. Uh, And this was just a year after I knew I was going to write it. Um, I went to a workshop from Dr. Ibrahim Jaffe. He's the founder of the University of Spiritual Healing and Sufism. And he shared a life-changing story with us. There were about 16, 17 students in the weekend seminar. And what he said was that after watching a TV nature program, in which a lion savagely ripped apart a gazelle, he had been distraught. And retreating into meditation, because he's clairvoyant, um, he implored God, how could you allow such carnage and tragedy to exist? And he told us that the response he received humbled him and restored his faith in divine intelligence. Um, And I'll read this. It's from the book. He said quote, I felt and saw through inner revelation how this incident was experienced from a higher level as pure love and that it was beautiful beyond description. You see, Abraham explained that this world may appear cruel and harsh to our unenlightened eyes, but even the brutality inherent in the animal kingdom has meaning, purpose, and a stark beauty all its own. And in fact, Looking through God's eyes, we see that simply by living our lives. We all serve each other in ways both simple and profound. And from that day on, I challenged myself to see the world through God's eyes to the extent that I could, of course. That's an important point. So that I, too, could witness every moment unfolding with beauty and love and perfection. And I say that's an important point because so many people have said, oh, it's so arrogant." for someone to assume they can see through God's eyes. And it's just the opposite. It's the path to humility. By challenging yourself to look through God's eyes, again, to the extent that you can, you'll gain a broader, big-picture perspective, move from self-absorption to self-awareness, and be humbled and awed by the beauty and magnificence of life.
2: So have you gotten any feedback from people in cultures that don't use the word God, like Allah? Are they turned off by the title or do they just go past it?
3: Um, yes, but in the reader's guide, I address that at the start of the book because I note that I use the word God throughout for the sake of, you know, it's convenient, convenience and consistency and fully recognizing, of course, that as you said, Chevron, there are probably as many interpretations of God as there are people reading the book. Um, many people view God as the source of all existence, many others as perhaps existence itself. But whether readers view God as a being, a universal intelligence, a force, or, or any other type of form or formless entity, I I just trust that they'll substitute the name or term or reference for God that they're most comfortable with each time they come across the word.
2: Well, I was interested on why you picked the word God. Well, when there's that book out that says there's the 72 names of God, and yet I noticed in my own book, in my subtitle, I used the word God because it only had three letters and it fit better.
3: (laughs) Well, it certainly does, yeah, and it just feels natural to me. Now, to someone else, I see a lot of people write God G-D because they don't want to say the name of God or or even spell it. Um, If that works for them, that's fine. But the word God works for me, and I just trust that others will um, substitute whatever works for them.
2: Well, this is the part of the show where we get to do your name analysis or just a tiny little portion of it. So are you ready for yours? you bet okay phil in your name it says you do not look at the world like everybody else you have a very unique perspective and so that could cause you to feel like sometimes you don't fit in or what am i doing here because you're not like others it says that you are very inclusive of other people that a lot of your time is spent with family or people that consider family and you love to include them along with everybody else because you don't want anybody to feel left out on the other hand you also like to be included your name also indicates that the older you get, the better your life gets because you stacked it so that you just keep progressing and get more self-confident and just get, it just gets better as you get older. Your name also indicates that you bring to you people that can be quite stubborn, so you had to be careful not to pick that up as a child, but also that were very likable but knew themselves well enough that they weren't going to change who they were and able to get liked and that you always had some sense of self. Your name also indicates that your parents kind of nurtured you incredibly well, but also really pushed you because they wanted you to become competitive. So we need to take a break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is heard on XCBN.net and Zone Broadcast Network and on KnowTheName.com. Now, after the break, we'll find out how Phil Bosa talks spiritual leaders into being interviewed for his first book. Phil's website is Godseyesbook.com. Stay tuned.
4: Now that you mention it, I remember now. Last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great grandmother was standing there. She said she would come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S i m u l t v .com, Sonny boy. S i m u l t v .com. S i m u l t v .com, Sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V. com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic, too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com
2: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest today is Phil Bolsta, whose website is godseyesbook.com. Now, you can also write to him at godseyes@me.com. There is no apostrophe in God's eyes, just to make it easy, at me.com. Okay, Phil, I'm sorry I didn't give you enough time to respond to your name reading, but I hope it felt accurate. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I'd say everything was accurate except my parents didn't push me, although I always was competitive with myself, just wanting to get better all the time and keep on improving. So I guess that is accurate. And and may I I say, you you said the email address, com, but I want to turn the tables on you a bit because I have interviewed you. And if somebody wants to email me, I will send them the link to your interview that we did together.
2: Well, thank you. I have published that link to most people. They can go on my website and find it, too, which makes it nice. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a great interview. I really appreciated being on your, being on your show. That okay. was fun. So give us some of your background, Phil. How did your pursuit of spirituality start, and how did you not limit yourself by religion so that you could continue to explore all the different facets and areas of what you're bringing into through God's eyes? Well...
3: I was really, I'd say, go back in high school. I was very, I had a lot of friends, popular, kind of the life of the party. And then I got in my 20s and just got kind of stagnant. You know, I had a family and an office job. And I found out that, you know, I really didn't have much to say. And uh, I that bothered me. I thought, What happened? So I I started reading both um, for intellectual and spiritual uh, purposes, those kinds of books. I just uh, started getting into, for example, Shirley MacLaine's Out on a Limb, Ruth Montgomery books, and then Wayne Dyer. And one thing led to another, and everything just kind of fell into place and... Um, fit together. And it took a number of years to get to that point. But I was excited about what I was learning. And I, I wanted to share that wisdom with others. And I figured that inspiring stories from well-known people would be more likely to be read and and have a greater impact than just me writing about abstract principles. And, and frankly, I just wanted to connect with the authors and speakers I admired, and, and writing a, a book was a good excuse to do that. So I, I started interviewing them and working with them to edit their stories, and that just led to my first book, 60 Seconds One Moment Changes Everything.
2: Well, I was, you know, that's a perfect leading because my next question for you was about your first book, 60SecondsBook.com, for people that are interested. In that book, when you interviewed all the leaders in the spiritual field, most of the people interviewed are so well known that getting an audience of them, we would think of would be incredibly challenging. And and yet you did it. So how did you get so many of these great people? I mean, what did you say or do to people like uh, Deepak Chopra and Carolyn Mace so that they would agree to be interviewed?
3: Well, I started with the people I had previously established some sort of relationship with, you know, for instance, I had interviewed Wayne Dyer for um, an article, a kind of a Q&A in a free Minneapolis uh, spiritual newspaper. That's where I live. And I had met Larry Dossie at a seminar. Um, through a friend of a friend, I met Carolyn Mace, who was speaking, and I started corresponding with her about an article about someone who was a big fan of hers. And, and if you have time, I, I could tell you, a hilarious story about how I got to know Bernie Siegel, who wrote Love, Medicine, and Miracles.
2: Oh, we'd love to hear this. Go ahead.
3: So I had never published anything before, and my daughter was uh, three years old, and one day the thought just terrified me, and I'm sure all parents can relate to this. If something happened to her mom and me, she would never know how much we loved and adored her, and it it just... it, it. It was an awful feeling. And so I wrote a song lyric called Our Daughter's Eyes. And after I read Bernie's book, Love, Medicine and Miracles, I sent it to him just on a whim. And he wrote back and said he was really touched by it. He couldn't read it without crying. And he'd like to include it in his next book, uh, Peace, Love and Healing. So I sent back the uh, release form. And I went to the mall nearest and went into Walden Books a few months later. Every week or so, I would check to see if Peace, Love and Healing was out because I was excited. I hadn't ever had anything published before. And finally, one day there it was on the display table and I was so excited and I picked up the book and I went through page by page until I found it on page 250. And I thought, oh, great, this is great. And then I saw how he introduced D how he introduced me <laughs> and i froze and i thought oh my god my wife is going to kill me <laughs> he said phil bolster whose wife died six years ago because in the song lyric the wife dies and she had said at the time you better tell bernie that i'm not really dead and i said oh he'll never think that, but he did. And he put <laughs> it, he put it in print and I did not enjoy going home and telling her that was what he wrote. <laughs> I, I just had a stomach ache for about an hour. And uh, later on, he did come to Minneapolis again. And we went to a seminar of his and I brought her up and say, see, I said, she, she's not dead. And now she <laughs> jokes about, oh, that's the book I died in. But That's how I got to know Bernie. And what happened, you know, as I said, I began with my favorite authors and speakers in that area. And once I got to go ahead to write the book, I just branched out into entertainment, sports, business, science, music, every other field I could think of. I just wanted to talk to anyone of prominence. And I started by doing a lot of brainstorming, trying to think of people I'd like to talk to who would have something meaningful to say. And I kept my antenna up I, whenever, whenever I read an, an insightful article uh, by a prominent person or about a prominent person in magazines or online or, or heard someone interesting on a radio or TV show, I added their name to my wish list. And what happened was once I had written up their stories, I attached their stories as samples. To the introductory emails I sent to people who I didn't have a connection with. And those initial stories gave me the credibility I needed to open more doors. And the more doors I opened, the more opportunities I had to open even more doors. Because People could say, I don't know who this guy is, but I can see he interviewed my peers. It's well written. They're good stories. So sure, I'll talk
2: to him. That's a great idea for anybody else who's interested in doing that. Now, you have a blog also, don't you? By the way, though, before I go into your blog, I love that story because that's like, you know, your wife, you could have said, this is my resurrected wife.
3: Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. Absolutely.
2: You know, I love that. So you've got a blog and it's Bolsta blog. It's B-O-L-S-T-A blog dot com where you keep giving out spiritual updates and then you're writing um, for the shift Network how do you manage to do that and why do you keep adding to so much to what you've already done what motivates you
3: well it is bolsterblog.com you can also go phil bolster.com i haven't updated the blog in a while but there is a wealth of information and inspiring content on there and if you look on the right sidebar at all the indexes uh, you can see all the different subjects and they're all laid out. And, um, there's been over, well over 2 million views on the blog and it's just really rewarding to, to touch people and to connect with people in that way. I've made a lot of friends from people reading the blog and leaving comments and going back and forth. Um, I, and I work for the shift network, uh, that's a remarkable company doing remarkable work in the world, and. lot of great people and it's a perfect fit for me because it's all about raising your consciousness and uh, transformational courses online and lots of spirituality and and all sorts of things like that and I uh, look over the all the emails that go out and the campaigns and the sales pages and and uh, kind of the final eye on all that to make sure everything is well done and and has integrity. And I I just love doing that. It's a lot of left brain and right brain work, which I like both of. And I just also am a member of Self-Realization Fellowship. And I have built my email list of members to over 3,500 around the world. And I communicate with uh, many of them all the time. And I share a lot of content and information I think people would like and it's well received and appreciated and when I know something or hear something or read something that really touches me my first thought is I want to share this with people who will appreciate it like I do and that leads to a lot of building of relationships developing existing relationships and Every time I make a contact with someone through email or whatever, every contact deepens a relationship, and that's what life is, relationships.
2: And we need to take another break. This show is being heard on XZBN.net and Zone Broadcast Network and KnowTheName.com. And when we come back, we'll see how Phil has assisted other people. His website is Godseyesbooks.com, and stay tuned.
0: get both the book and the DVD a $40 value for only $19.99 to order your book and DVD today go to lamarzuli.net that's l a m a r z u l l i.net Rob McConnell here presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennicks author of a fascinating book Amen
2: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Phil Bolsta, whose website is godseyesbook.com. Now, there's no apostrophes in there, but everything's plural, godseyesbook.com. Now, before the break, you mentioned Self-Realization Fellowship that you got involved with. And just so that everybody's aware of what that is, Isn't that from Paramahansa Yogananda's work?
3: Yes, he wrote Autobiography of a Yogi and founded SRF in 1920. And I live in Encinitas, California, which is half an hour north of San Diego, which is uh, pretty much the epicenter of Self-Realization Fellowship. It's where he lived part-time besides Los Angeles and his ashram and hermitage are here and many, many SRF devotees here as well. So it's, it's a thriving community.
2: Yes. Well, I was going to say my very best friend from high school always went to self-realization fellowship. So we were always sharing ideas. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Phil, you are so accessible to so many people. It's just amazing how many people you're able to communicate with and build relationships with. And so people can write to you still at godseyes@me.com and order your book through the website Godseyesamazon.com. Is that still all current?
3: Yes, God's Amazon.com. You can order it directly, or if you want to go find out more about the book first, God's Book.com.
2: Okay, so why did Through God's Eyes take so long to research and to write? I was just wondering because it took years—took eight years—and then seven to write. And why why did you stay with it for so long? I mean, what was the motivation behind it?
3: Well, I think if you talk to anyone who has. A calling as if somebody tapped you on the shoulder and said hey this this is your assignment and if you ignore that tap it's going to get firmer the next time and excuse me this is what you're supposed to do and that's what it felt like I just felt like it was an assignment that um, I needed to do for my life's work and I knew I was nowhere ready yet you know I wasn't wise enough as I said earlier or experienced enough but even though I didn't know exactly what the book would end up looking like when I first realized okay this is what I need to do with my life I did recognize the content I wanted in it the concepts and quotes that I knew would be included in it Um, so I just started collecting those so I had two word files one of quotes and one of concepts. And why did it take so long? Well, I had to work to support myself. I had, you know, spend time with my daughter and just life. And over the years, as the collection kind of grew (laughs) um, and multiplied, it was a little intimidating. And finally, I took a deep breath after eight years and sat down and I remember it was after Thanksgiving on in 2005 I just sat down and I said okay let's get started and um, over the next seven years there are big chunks of that where again I, I had to where I was busy with work and I didn't devote much time to it but I did have periods where I did as much as I could and then the last few years I felt a sense of urgency because I thought, if something happens to me, and this book isn't out there, that is inexcusable. So I really started putting more energy and every waking thought into it, which didn't help my financial situation, but it was just an urgency, as I said, and so that's, that's what I did, and I thought that when I started, it would have about 12 chapters and be maybe 18,000 words total. And after I later ended up with 18 chapters and about 30,000 words, I thought, okay, I guess I'm done. And then I realized, no, I'm not. And what's interesting is every chapter of the 18 chapters started, they all grew at the same rate. I didn't have to look, okay, I got to find some things, some content for this chapter they all organically grew at the same rate. They all started, you know, I got to a 1,000 words a chapter, then 2,000, then 3,000, and, fourth, and now they're all over 5,000 words a chapter. And I thought I was done like three times before, and I just thought, when I'm done, I'm going to know it. And after that seven years, I thought, okay, this is done. It's good to go.
2: Now, when I first got your book, it looked like just a book of quotes, but it's so much more than that. As you use the quotes to support your philosophy, uh, talk to us about how you decided to lay out your book in those 18 chapters and why that division and what you did at the end of every chapter.
3: Well, what I did when I sat down and thought, "Okay, let's get started. I just took my two Microsoft Word docs and looked through the concepts and just wrote on the computer here's all the chapter headings that I can think of right now and I just started sorting that content by chapter and then I thought oh okay here's some I guess here's another chapter I didn't think of but here's some content that needs to go in that and I just started really organizing it by sorting all the material I had collected and wound up with the 18 chapters that way and from the moment From the moment I knew I was going to write the book, I I envisioned what the format was going to be. I alternate my own commentary, every paragraph, with inspirational quotes throughout the book. And the commentary and quotes support build upon and flow into each other in a seamless way. So a quote may expand on the concept that precedes it, or it may introduce the brief commentary that follows. And quotes by others not only add depth and subtlety to... Important ideas, they lend credibility because they illustrate that the wisdom in the pages is not something I just conjured up. Every concept in the book has been validated by great minds through the ages. And that's what happens a lot is people say, Oh, it's a book of quotes. I say, No, no, give it half an hour, start reading. And then they go, Oh, I see. Because it hasn't been done before, so people don't understand. The format until they start reading it.
2: So, and uh-huh. when you started putting in quotes, okay, did you find that you had favorite authors or philosophers, or to, that you wanted to use repeatedly? And did you find that when you were reading, there were any that you just went, "This one just doesn't fit in with the rest," and I got to throw it out?
3: Yes and no. Um, I didn't go searching for particular authors, although I did um for example Paramahansa Yogananda I read a lot of his work so I had a lot of his quotes um I love Khalil Gibran who wrote the prophet and I read a lot of Richard Bach who wrote Jonathan Living Siegel, and so many other books and they all have a number of great quotes but what I did a lot of I just got massive amounts of quote books (laughs) big thick quote books and I went through page by page so I just, if something jumped out at me, I thought, okay, that goes in. didn't matter to me who the author was. Uh, It was just the thought and the content of the quote itself. So there's nobody that I really thought, oh, I can't use him um, or her. I, I just, it grew organically out of that research of just looking for quotes that would fit.
2: Now, I would love to introduce you to J.J. Dewey. Um, it's Joseph John Dewey, D-E-W-E-Y, and his first book is free online. It's at freeread.com because you get to read it for free. And he has some wonderful quotes and some wonderful, you know, I read his stuff and I think about you and your, and your quotes and what you're doing. So I would love to introduce him to you. Sure, um, thank you. So do you have favorite quotes throughout your book that you would like to share with us? Yeah, um,
3: I do, uh, actually just trying to.
2: Cause I think we have time for one or two before our next break and then some afterwards.
3: Okay. Um, let me find. So one is Richard Bach, you don't have to fight to live as you wish. Live as you wish and pay whatever price is required.
2: Mm, that's interesting. That,
3: yeah, that really speaks to how I like to live my life. Um, I just know what I need to do, so I do it. And whatever the consequences are, that's fine.
2: Okay, another quote. Mm. I mean, I look at one. I was listening to Sherry Edwards, who um, uh-huh. got Scientist of the Year in 2001, and her by, with a bioacoustic feedback. And I've had her on the show quite a bit. And she said tonight she was doing a relationship thing for anybody who wanted to call in and get their name out analyzed on what kind of a partner they were looking for, what their voice would say. And one of the things she said tonight that I thought was very interesting is that the person who cares the least in the relationship is actually the one in charge of the relationship.
3: Right, right, absolutely. And I love the uh, quote by Carolyn Mace. I quote this a lot. When we look ahead, we see only chaos. When we look behind, we see only order.
2: Oh, no, that's cool. And we need to take our last break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You on xzbn.net and XZone Broadcast Network and knowthename.com. Now, after the break, we're going to find out what Phil Bosta has in his name that has assisted him that you just might have in your name as well. Stay tuned.
4: Yeah.
2: Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just
4: told me. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com SIMULTV.com
2: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Now, our guest tonight is Phil Bolsta, whose website is Godseyesbook.com. Again, no apostrophe, Godseyesbook.com. Now, Phil's taken his skills to a level where he's able to assist others in considering the importance of prayer, reflection, and spiritual inquiry. Now, right before the break, you gave us a Carolyn Mace quote. So why do you love that one so much? And then do you have just one more quote for us?
3: When we look ahead, we see only chaos is because we think when something happens we don't like, that it's the worst thing ever, and we wish it didn't happen, and yet we look back and see the perfect order of it years later and think, oh, I understand now. I needed to go through that to get to where I am. And another quote that I I love is by C.W. Ledbetter. It's, It's one of the commonest of mistakes to consider that the limit of our power of perception is also the limit of all there is to perceive.
2: Oh, now that one takes a while to think about.
3: Yeah, but it's so powerful because so many people think, especially, hey, if I can't see it, if I can't feel it, I don't believe in it. But that's the limit of what you can perceive. It's not the limit of all there is to perceive.
2: Well, and that's similar to when you're reading the book of Genesis, when it says God created the world in seven days. And I think we consider a day 24 hours. But how do we know how long one of God's days are? Because he's not limited by what we're limited by.
3: And that's the whole um, foundation of biblical interpretation is literal versus symbolic interpretation. And that's a hundred shows by itself.
2: Yes. So, why did you offer 12 self reflection questions at the end of every chapter?
3: Well, the questions at the end of every chapter, I just wanted people to do some self exploration, you know, build self awareness and heighten their appreciation and enjoyment of life. And really, the way to do that is when you read a chapter you think, okay, there's a lot of profound things in there, but when you ask questions, it makes you go to a deeper level to answer them. And the answers to the questions will be uniquely their own. The answers that are right for them may not be right for anyone else. In fact, they might be right for them for only a short while.
2: (coughs) Excuse me. Yes, because as their understanding grows, then that answer may also change. Right. So, and why did you decide to include a bonus chapter on affirmations?
3: Well, affirmations have helped me tremendously. I, when I started using them, I thought, okay, well, I'll say these once a day and see if anything happens. And I realized, oh, I have to do a little more than that. So every morning and every night, I did a couple pages of affirmations and sometimes throughout the day. And after about six weeks, things changed. You know, you you think more positively. And I definitely noticed that difference. And it really accelerated my own spiritual growth. I still use them. And today, no matter where I am, uh, what I'm doing, they keep me centered, grounded, and connected to loving energy of source. And if affirmations help me, I know they can help others get to where they want to go. So I've listed a lot of sample affirmations as guidance to help readers write their own.
2: I think that's fabulous. I know a a tremendous amount of people that have their affirmation posted in the bathroom so that every time they're using the restroom, they're reminded to say their affirmations.
3: Yeah, and they're an easy and effective way to reshape the way you look at the world. You you train yourself to think more positive, loving thoughts, and you will live a more positive, loving life.
2: Uh, Phil, in Carolyn Mace's introduction to your book, Through God's Eyes, she mentions the importance of three skills. The first being prayer, then reflection, and third, spiritual inquiry. Could you talk to us about the importance of these three areas?
3: Yeah, um, instead of spiritual inquiry, I really call that um, practicing the presence of God. And I, I urge people in the book to align their will with divine will, and that's what I think Carolyn's doing. And, the question is how do you do that and the short answer is three things purify your heart through the regular practice of spiritual affirmations meditation and practicing the presence of god by keeping your love for god and your thoughts as often as possible and maintaining an ongoing dialogue with god it's really trying to live your life as one long prayer and it and affirmations are a form of prayer. And it takes a great amount of discipline and devotion and time to attain that higher level of consciousness and maintain it. But, oh, ma, the results are certainly worth it. It's to live uh, just a loving, positive life. There's nothing better and life gets easier and more simple when you do that.
2: Well, again, with J.J. Dewey, that I will write you an introduction for, He says on God's presence, he has a favorite quote of mine that he has said is, Let the angel of the presence be in my presence, so I feel the Spirit of God is the only presence.
3: That is nice. And speaking of this too, what I'm what we're talking about, to me, it's logical to think that way. And people say, Well, spirituality or God or faith is not logical and I feel just the opposite and if people email me at com, I will send them a free copy of my ebook, The Logic of Living a Spiritual Life. I just felt compelled to write some more about how spirituality is a logical approach to life.
2: Okay, so say it again, The Logic of Living a Spiritual Life? Yes. Okay, I will put that in my next newsletter. So The other quote that I would love to share with you is one by Eugene Whitworth, Dr. Eugene Whitworth, who wrote nine faces of Christ and five other very spiritual books, you know, where he was getting the universality of all the religions. And he said to his app, favorite affirmation was I am the resurrection and the life of my divine plan physically manifested here and now. And Mm -hmm. so he said, when he said that as a mantra, then it always moved him in the direction of what was best that was, you know, written for him for this lifetime versus him following somebody else's lead or getting off path.
3: That is very nice. And speaking of the power of quotes and affirmations like that, I will also, if people email me, I'll send them a sample chapter. I'll send them the affirmations chapter so they can read it for themselves.
2: Great. I'm writing myself a note so I can make sure I put that in the next newsletter too. So, Phil, if you could change one thing about people's understanding or how they look at the world, what would that be?
3: I would say the standard response is try to be more loving. And that's not as easy as it sounds, but what I've done is, for example, I'm on the side I, I've a certified massage therapist and when I was working on people, I would just try to imagine I was working on my daughter and then I could be very nurturing and that came through loud and clear. And it's the same when you meet people, think of somebody you love dearly and just look at them, look in their eyes as if they're that person and treat them like that. And it's amazing. How that opens your heart and opens your life in radical, amazing, wonderful, beautiful ways, because when you are more loving to others, they are more loving to you there 's so many people who say, "Oh, that person doesn't like me, nobody calls me i 'm not well, what are you doing about it? How do you treat people they 're not looking at their part of it, and the more loving somebody is, the more love they 're going to get back and and probably Ten times as much.
2: So, so how do you define love? I mean, I've always thought it was just the honoring another person's essence and who they really are. But that's like my definition, and everybody has their own definition of love. How do you define it, Phil?
3: I would just define it as my goal is to be a pure instrument of the divine. And with that divine energy coming through, that is love. The world, the essence of God, the essence of this entire creation is love. That's what we're all constructed of. And when you get yourself out of the way and serve as a channel for that divine loving energy coming through your heart and into the hearts of others, man, that's, that's a nice way to live.
2: So how can people reach you on the SHIFT Network?
3: Well, they could just email me at God's eyes at me.com. Um My email at SHIFT comes to that same address. So a, a lot of people have told me that they get emails from SHIFT Network and see my name and go, oh, is that you? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, they can just email me at that one email address and I can respond from any time, uh, anywhere.
2: Thank you so much for being with us tonight, Phil. I've certainly appreciated this and all of your great work that you've done.
3: My pleasure, Sharon. Thank you so much. It's uh, always a joy to
2: talk to you. Be prepared and surprised and pleased when you get to experience Phil Bolster's work. Now, his website, again, is com. Now, you can purchase his book on the website, Godseyesamazon.com. And if you'd like to write to Phil, you can at Godseyesatme.com. Also, his blog is just his last name, B-O-L-S-T-A, blog.com. Now, Phil excels at thinking outside of the box. And this is found in the letter combinations P-H, just like Dr. Phil on television. And if you have that in your name, you also think outside of the box. This is Sharon Lynn Wyatt signing off.